You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. Recite in the name of your Lord who created. Created man from a clinging substance. Recite, and your Lord is the most generous. Who taught by the pen. Taught man that which he knew not. No, but indeed, man transgresses. Because he sees himself self-sufficient. Indeed, to your Lord is the return. Have you seen the one who forbids a servant when he prays? Have you seen if he is upon guidance or enjoins righteousness? Have you seen if he denies and turns away? Does he not know that Allah sees? No, if he does not desist, we will surely drag him by the forelock. A lying, sinning forelock. Then let him call his associates. We will call the angels of hell. No, do not obey him, but prostrate and draw near to Allah. Today, 14th of April, 23rd of Ramadan, Iftar in Glasgow is going to be at 28 minutes past 8. Surah Alaq, 96th Surah of the Quran, is what has been under study. Uh, we've been discussing major themes running through this Surah. Uh, and when we started uh, discussing the Surah with Sheikh Rizwan, uh, we said we would like to learn how uh, revelation, uh, the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, shapes human behavior to form a community and uh, moves on to a civilization which we can term as Islamic civilization and what effects uh, Wahi revelation has on human uh, civilization. And then we went through the, the, the main concepts of, say, tadarruj, uh, grading, gradation, uh, going in life uh, in um, uh, bite-sized leaps, if you like, uh, incremental approach. Uh, and how this surah teaches us this incremental approach, the concept of tughyan, 
this, the concept of how man thinks uh, he is always self-sufficient. And then we also discussed in last few episodes how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala invites us to see ara'ayta um, and there are nuances around this this word ara'ayta. And then in the last episode, we uh, kind of labored upon uh, the, the word nasia. Uh, uh, nasia, how important it is, what it means uh, to us and wh- how this is used in Quran and especially in this surah. Uh, we will begin this episode with the, the last of these terms, Nasia, uh, with Sheikh Rizwan, inshallah, uh, and elaborate more on that. And then we'll continue on ayah number 16 and 17 today. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So you've decided already what we're talking about. Perhaps <laughs> um, well, We do. Yeah. <laughs> they say Zubair plans and Sheikh plans. <laughs> So obviously the listeners can realize that we don't actually discuss this until you press the live button. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. It's a live unscripted conversation. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a So Istanbul, how's Istanbul today? Alhamdulillah. 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 So Glasgow uh, is probably the main main listener, but these episodes, inshallah, will uh, come to live uh, in many, many parts of the world, I think. Um, again, I was actually, this discussion is going to go somewhere else, that, you know, how things are getting recorded. And we can ask uh, me right now. <laughs> how these things are recorded and the mm-hmm. parallel this recording has with with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always reminding us that everything that we do is getting recorded. Everything that we do, mm-hmm. it, leaves a foot, it leaves a footprint. And we're hoping, inshallah, that years of uh, these episodes that we've done will leave some kind of footprint here of, of goodness, inshallah, uh, with, with people. Uh, and, and the parallel that it has with Sheikh, this recording that we do, is it quite similar to what has been recorded for us generations before? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the technology is different. The technology is different. Yes. But actually, it was probably more rigorous uh, the way it was preserved and reached us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well... Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So what, what we're doing is, is is different because we're we're actually conver- having a conversation about um, the chapter. We, we're kind of we take a chapter usually and we start to go through it, uh, meander through the the themes, the meanings, uh, in terms of how we um, have experienced it, but also how I think you can uni- universalize um, the meaning to beyond. We can constantly talk about this beyond um, the, the period of prophecy of the Prophet the initial period and then look at the parallels it has with our own lives as well because if you don't do that you end up missing the special capacity of human beings and insan to be able to um, you know we talked about three meanings of insan one of which was inas which is to perceive and to understand one of the special things of human beings is the ability to to take information and to be able to then apply it in a general sense 
You know, this is one of the, the wisdom. Essentially, I would say is just that. You know, wisdom classically in Arabic, it was class. It was defined as being a to put something in its right place. So essentially, you put everything in its right place. You you deal with people in the way they deserve to be dealt with. You do actions in the way that they should be done. This is wisdom. In other words, you don't misuse something. You don't abuse something. You don't um, disrespect somebody who deserves respect and vice versa. And so the whole point of human beings is to take information that they can glean, specific things that they learn. Like you learn, um, like telling my, teaching my son how to, you know, certain vowels come together in English, how do you pronounce them? Now that then is a uni- becomes in a universal that he can then add up to read much more complex things. So the whole point of life is, is that, is going from learning small things and then going to a universal thing. And the Quran is constantly talking about that. It's constantly talking about the idea that the stories of the prophets, for example, are perfect examples. Like, you know, who's going to live exactly the same experience as the Prophet Musa with Fir'aun? Nobody. The Prophet Yusuf and his brothers, nobody. But there's general, there's there's a general thrust, a general lesson coming out of that, those in, in specific things. The story of Musa and Khidr, for example, we talked about previously in the, in, in the, in the episodes we did. Um, the Prophet mm-hmm. and the Battle of Badr, the Battle of Uhud that comes up and is mentioned in the Quran. One of the, in fact, one of the things that you know people say about artificial intelligence, and probably the only thing that will stop artificial intelligence taking the place of human beings is its, in, it is its inability to take individual piece of information and come up with a universal. It's not artificial intelligence, and that includes chat. GPT, whatever it is, mm. is unable to t- to make that generalization in a way that it can then implement it. it. Requires wisdom. That requires a human mind, human intellect. And so this is what the Quran does. And so you know, in the past, you were saying what we're doing now has been preserved in the past. In the past, scholars wrote essentially a monologue for themselves, as you know, for example, the Quran they wrote tafsir about the meanings of things. Mm. So they would focus on the meaning of a word. Make sure you understood where it came from. In other words, mm-hmm. Nasiya, for example, Nasiya in Arabic, you meant you just touched upon it. Just as a good example, actually, Nasiya in Arabic is uh, literally the hair that comes right to the, the, the first, the front four. You know, the mm-hmm. kind of if you break your head into four portions, what is at the front is going to be Nasiya. And so Allah says that we will grab them by the Nasiya. And the Nasiya is considered to be something that's, you know, the hair is, is said to be lying. And deceitful, whereas nasiya is, you know, that's not the the proper meaning. Nasiya in Arabic actually means the head portion where that hair is connected to. And I think, you know, classical scholars like Al Farra, for example, great linguists mention the same thing. And so, the reason why a nasiya is mentioned is in this context is because Abu Jahl used to. <laughs> it's quite a funny thing. Abu Jahl used to love to flick his hair so that he would show his arrogance in the way that he carried his hair. Wow. I, mean, I love cool. our male listenership. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't mean you by I that, mean... guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, in the Pakistani dramas, you've seen this. My mother always oh, yeah, yeah, watches. Yeah, yeah. My mother watches, and, and I swear, if I sit with my mom, I won't swear, actually, I just say, she'll know this. If I sit with my mom, and I'm sitting with her, and she's watching a Pakistani drama, it will take her 90 seconds to say, look mm. at this, this man's... Um, 
Where did this hair come from? (laughs) I'm not accusing anyone of being like Abu Jahl here. I'm just saying that sense of pride from this kind of, it's like almost like a crown, which is upon the head. And so he used to perfume it, he used to comb it, take care of it. And not knowing that that place underneath it is the place where the the forelock um, is going to be taken. In other words, the mind in a, it indicates in, in some ways, like Imam Alusi says, it's the arrogance. He's going to be grabbed by the place where his arrogance is manifest. But we know that Nasi is actually right. At, it's a, it's where our human uh, intellect thinks. It's where we start to understand things. You know, it's not the place where the hair grows, but it's we we see it because it's connected to place where the Nasi actually is. So. What's interesting is, so what I was saying is preserving. Scholars in the past said, okay, what's Nasiya? And they would tell you what it is. And they might mention that Abu Jahl had this. In terms of extracting meanings and rulings and wisdom and applying, they were they were very um, resi- resistant to that process. So they would huh. their job essentially was to make sure you understand the grammar of it, the words used, where it was revealed, why it was revealed. And then it means that it's almost like, and it, you know, you get these... Um, Companies that, that send you a box which with all the ingredients. I don't know if you've seen they like they, they send you a, a, a box by mm-hmm. by post and you basically order it and it gives you all the ingredients for a meal in the in the exact amount that you need them. Okay. So there's no waste. So this kind of I don't know if you know this, but this is kind of a new f- fashion thing where people yeah. don't go to the go and shop for lots of things, like you know, the good old days people used to buy like Sacks of sacks of wheat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like and sacks, like three sacks of rice, for example. Yeah, for, for the entire them, season. And, and yeah, and for the entire season, and then put yeah. them in bins or something to to protect them for the whole year, for example. Yeah. Now yeah. Our, our 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 new generation, um, what they're doing now is they'll get just enough flour for this for like um, basting whatever this one, like, like a small packet. Yes, mm. enough enough flour. To just coat the fish, for example. Mm, <laughs> Whereas in the mm. past, we bought like a couple of sacks, so we just used it. Why yeah. am I saying this? Yes, the reason I'm saying this is so what the, the classical scholars did in the past, the work they put in was to give you this all the ingredients in the right portion. You need to put it together. Mm, so mm. you need to put this all together and you have to engage with the Quran. That's the easiest example I can give what comes to mind now of mundane things that we do. Mm. So think about it. That is exactly what's happening. When you look at the Quran, like this chapter, you've got the words, you've got the how they arrive in different places, the different um, constructions that are there. And then what you have to do then is put it all together and see what is the purpose of this. Mm. And that essentially is, you know, in this conversation, I think what's interesting about what we're doing is it's more of a attempt to see the parallels between what's being revealed and has been revealed and understood in a classical context, obviously, we're not kind of taking it outside the classical context, but then looking at how it is so approachable and it has so many different avenues through which it can develop for human beings. In a, in a, even it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter who what, what you do for a living, or if you do anything for a living, there is a direct correlation between that. And that's why I think we should really take the Qur'an very, very seriously because... The more that you think about it, the more it expands itself, the more it allows you to kind of deeply understand it. And the more you go back, the more it opens up for you. You know, it it, it actually rewards 
um, people that strive. You know, the more that you, you strive, Allah says, those that strive in our path, we will certainly open for them our way. You know, it's a kind of promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is an interesting kind of side note there. Mm-hmm. So Nasia, Nasia, uh, I mean, we, we, we've covered many concepts in the surah. I, I think that the, the underlying concept which I would have liked to explore is uh, the relationship of this uh, first revelation with the need of revelation for civilization. Mm-hmm. This is the first revelation, Iqra bismi rabbika ladhi khalaq. And then we are pursuing the meaning of this to to know that how civilization is shaped by this very revelation mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. The, the entire civilization and we we've, we've tried to compare civilizations who which are shaped without any revelation the consequences and the the, the end product and if mm. humans had chosen revelation to be it's kind of like core for building a civilization, how they would have lived and how beneficial it would have been. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. Um, if you just look at this, I think if anything, what's the whole point of revelation? Look, it's about the fact that it comes from a source, doesn't it? So the fact that this is coming to you from somewhere outside our experience, and that source is the creator, sustainer, the Lord, the Rabb, who taught human beings the art of speech, you know, الأكرم, when Allah says, your Lord is indeed the most generous, who taught through the pen, even in that connection, how is why is God um, generous, abundantly generous? Because he taught human beings something of benefit to them, which is to write with the, with the pen. There was the, the I mean, this is why I said incremental, um, we talked about tadaruj, but there's also an incremental nature to the, the qalam which is you can write and record and your posterity of people after you will be able to read and look at and and build upon what you have done and we kind of touched upon this before but the thing that's special about i think from going to your kind of observation about what would be different is it's the fact that it's been given by your your lord so that this the sense that you are responsible this, the sense, in fact, in, in this cha- chapter, Allah says, Alam ya'lam bi anna yara. Like when he talks about Abu Jahal and the way that he attempted to obstruct the Prophet from praying in public and attacked him, Allah says to him, Alam ya'lam bi anna yara. Does he not know that God is seeing him? Is seeing, yara, is meaning, is this constant process of constantly being under the gaze of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is, in a sense, Really important because it means that everybody is then going to be in the same situation. Like, if you are a person in the public light, or you're a person in a private light, it doesn't make any difference. You are exactly the same because at the end of the day, everyone everyone's responsible for as much as they're responsible for. So mm. you have hundred percent responsibility. Okay. Now, whether you are famous or not famous, whether you're intelligent or not intelligent, you have to answer for the hundred percent. Mm. Now, me. I'll have 100% responsibility. I might get to 10, 50, 90. It doesn't make any difference. The point is, on the day of judgment, I'll be scaled on that. And a person who has all the weight of thousands of millions of people on their shoulders, at the end of the day, they're going to come with much more responsibility. But at the end of the day, responsibility is still marked by 100. Mm. 
as much as they could do. Everybody is going to be in that situation. And so Allah is all He's saying is, Do you not know that God is seeing you? And, and, and the fact that God sees you is actually, I think, one of the most pivotal ideas that we need to focus on because it creates this sense that even if you think people don't see your intentions and why you're doing things, mm-hmm. God sees. Mm-hmm. You know, that is, I think that is a game changer because politicians, business people, Sports people, actors, actresses, social media commentators, everyone in the public eye, for example, scholars, everybody. To the person that's not, at every moment, this idea of God seizing you based upon your action because he knows what you're doing is um, it's such a fascinating idea because it comes to this idea of because at the end of the chapter, everyone's going to be asked to, in fact, the Prophet is going to be asked to prostrate. Mm-hmm. Turn away from this person, this arrogant person. Do not obey him. Come closer and prostrate. So this is this sense of knowing that God is seeing you is kind of first of all mentioned here because this is why this chapter builds up. I mentioned this before, this chapter builds up to the point that the Prophet it knows he's going to have to prostrate at the end because it's such a the raising of, of the, the bar in terms of the intensity of this chapter, you know, kalla is repeated a number of times, ara'ita is repeated a number of times. This kind of tension is building to the point Allah says, kalla la Do not obey him. Indeed, do never obey him, but rather come closer and prostrate. This prostration, waqtarib, waqtarib is like, it's from qurub, which means to be close to something. And it also, is related to um, raqib. It's not, it's, it's not the same root. Raqaba mm. is an qaraba. You can see the roots are different. Raqaba from raqib, which from oh. which we would get muraqaba, and qarib is qaraba, or qaruba in terms of the, 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 the actual uh, the verb. Rakib in Urdu poetry is uh, is an unwanted character, right? Rakib is the one who is in between the, um, the, the 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 lover and the beloved. Yes, Rakib is like the one that's constantly watching and trying to fall interfere. in between. Interfere, in between. yeah, Rakib. Yeah, the triangle. So, Muraqib is like this person who's constantly trying to look for an opportunity. Okay. But, you know, opportunity to do something good or bad. And Muraqaba is a very... It's kind of at the core of, um, I would say Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, he said that hasibu anfusakum qabla an tuhasabu. You know, mm. take yourself to account before you're taken to account. Hisab, muraqaba. This is Sayyidina Umar as the Khalifa saying this. So he's saying, you know, take yourself to account before you're, you're taken to account by God. This idea of muraqaba is really, really important because it comes out this idea. Alam ya'lam bi anna Allah yara. Do you not see that God sees him or does he not see that God sees him and this is something that you know it's from a deep spiritual um, you know sense very very important because you know Janid al-Baghdadi his his I think his, his maternal uncle Sari Sakti radiallahu anh, when Janid al-Baghdadi was very young I think he was roughly about seven or eight he started to give him dhikr and he said repeat this seven times every night before you go to sleep and he, and he said give him a, 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 one of the awrad which was you know, God is with me, God is watching me, God is overseeing what I do. He said, do this. And what 
you know, Jenid al-Baghdadi at that young, young age said by the age of 10, it was something that he was addicted to with the sweetness, you know, the sweetness yeah. of that, knowing what it meant and knowing yeah. that God is with him, changed the way that he he acted. And so, you know, if our public figures are always also in a, in a similar situation and our, our private citizens are in a similar situation, civilizationally, what does that, how does that impact? So it impacts a lot because, you know, um, in fact, you know, you know, Sayyidina uh, Umar ibn Abdulaziz, he, when he was, he was probably about 13, 14, he used to attend the lectures of Salih al-Kisan in, in Madinat Nawara. So he lived in Madinat Nawara. Salih al-Kisan was a very famous scholar there, teaching him grammar and, and things like that. He came late once and then, you know, his teacher said, you know, why are you late? And he said, my mother took a lo- long time combing my hair. You know, the nasiya, mm. kind of. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Salih, rahimahullah, he said, he said to his other students, take him out and take the hair off. Mm, shave it. Because, you know, the muraqaba here is you're in, in a situation where you're here to learn. You're here, here to earn adab. He was, a, he was from a very noble family, Umar ibn Abdulaziz. But yeah. not in, doesn't make any difference when you're learning civilizational norms, which is you need to learn that you're under muraqaba. Your teacher's doing muraqaba of you now. And that's why, if you put that into the civilization, and this is why Umar ibn Abdulaziz became who he was. You know, this is why during his khilafah, the two, 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 two or so years of his khilafah, the thing that people used to talk about then was worship and good actions. You know, the people, the word in the street was good, what you're doing for good actions, how much charity you're giving, you know, you know, and other khulafa, when they would come in, they would ask, what, what, what are you eating? What kind of building do you live in? Because that was their interest. Wow. So whatever comes from the top trickles down. It's really important because our, our leaders, public figures dictate the public discourse, the public mood, the principles that they, they, they abide by, the morals that they they, they, they hold and that's why I think if you're going to say, well, what difference does a God-conscious civilization have which is different from other civilizations, I think it was that. In, in most civilizations I know of that don't have God at the center, in a sincere sense, there's always opportunity to make shortcuts. Hmm. Hmm. But if you know that you know, you're fasting, everyone, Ramadan, everyone's fasting, you could just sneak away and have something. What, what training you get from Ramadan is that Alam ya'lam bi yara. Do you not see that God sees him, sees you, sees everybody Meaning you're responsible, you have muraqaba And this way, you know, it's not just a, a fear thing You know, it's very like, you could say, well, we're just going to be like Unable to do anything because God's watching us There's a reciprocal, there's, a, there's actually a very sweet um, If I remember correctly, Ibn Taymiyyah mentions this A very sweet um, Transaction going on here Because he said that As he shows Ibn Taymiyyah He said that if you don't find the sweetness And the the Joy in the good acts that you're doing Okay, imagine you're doing Something good, or worship or good actions Or charity or whatever it is If you don't find some joy, sweetness Happiness, farah, bahja Bahja in Arabic is like this Bahja is used in Turkish and I think other languages For this kind of garden Like It just makes you very happy he said, if you don't see that, then you should doubt your sincerity, which is kind of a strange thing because you would think the opposite. You'd think a sincere person wouldn't take any pleasure from good actions. Oh, you don't okay. think. Yeah, because usually it's for God and I don't want anything. But he said, look, it's, it's a fascinating thing. He said, because Allah is shakur. 
Shakur means literally the one that is appreciative and shows gratitude. Now, do you not think, he's basically saying, do you not think that if you did something for the sake of Allah, which is sincere, do you not think he would re- reward you with sweetness and joy? You know, it's like, if you don't know that, then you've not known the names of Allah because a shakur is the one that's promised you that if you do something for his sake alone, he will place within your heart sweetness and happiness and joy and bahja and farah. Because you don't ask when somebody gives you a present, don't give me a present because you're too humble. You take it and you accept it. The Prophet always used to accept um, charity, meaning, sorry, um, you know, gifts, but never accept charity, because gifts are a sign of a person's generosity and it's, 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 it's manners, bad manners to reject, uh, you know, something that is a gift, where charity is different. And so the, the, our civilization from, you know, this kind of muraqaba aspect is very deep because it, it instills responsibility. But then it also gives an amazing sense at the individual level of reward and happiness and contentment as well. Reflections uh, with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad today, 23rd of Ramadan, 8.28 is iftar, a short ad break. And inshallah, when we come back from this break, uh, I'm going to ask Sheikh to continue with this concept of how Allah sees us and the the, the, the main concept of the tasawwuf where we're asked to pray as if we see Allah, but if we can't, we should know that Allah sees us. Uh, so uh, a conversation around this concept, inshallah, and then we'll continue from there. Ad- In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. Recite in the name of your Lord who created. Created man from a clinging substance. Recite and your Lord is the most generous. Who taught by the pen. Taught man that which he knew not. No, but indeed man transgresses. Because he sees himself self-sufficient. Indeed, to your Lord is the return. Have you seen the one who forbids a servant when he prays? Have you seen if he is upon guidance? or enjoins righteousness? Have you seen if he denies and turns away? Does he not know that Allah sees? No, if he does not desist, we will surely drag him by the forelock. 
A lying, sinning forelock. Then let him call his associates. We will call the angels of hell. No, do not obey him, but prostrate and draw near to Allah. So, uh, yes, back from this break, uh, Sheikh, uh, this idea of you, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, say, you, you recited this ayah, Alam Yara, I wrote this here, Alam Ba'anallah. Alam Ya'lam Ba'anallah Yara. Alam Ya'lam Ba'anallah Yara. And there is, is this a hadith that, uh, to the near meaning, the, you know, pray as if you're, uh, you see Allah. And if you can't, then you should know that Allah is seeing you or watching you. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I had the famous hadith of Al-Bukhari and Muslim hmm, hmm. Hadith of Jibra'il In which the, the, the angel Jibra'il came to process In the form of a man with um, bright white clothes and dark flowing hair uh, You know, came hmm. out of the desert But nobody could see any signs of traveling hmm. <laughs> Which is all of a sudden, right away, it's like Oh, this is something different. And he came, obviously, asked the Prophet Islam, tell me about Islam, Iman, tell me about Iman, and tell me about Ihsan. And then he said, and tell me about the, the final signs, you know, about the Sa'a. So he he asked about the four aspects of um our deen, the transaction. We talked about religion, but deen is like this deep thing of transaction between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that 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 hadith is very interesting actually. Because it, it, it ties into this chap- chapter, in fact, because it's about education. The Prophet is being shown how to convey information to people, which is through a dialogue, a conversation. So the Prophet could have easily given a khutbah and said, yeah, you know, oh, believers, Iman is this, Islam is this, Ihsan is this, the signs are this. But the fact that you have to sometimes inquire to learn means that the Prophet had to be shown that by being sent the angel, Jibreel, yeah. yeah. So in that, you know, the four aspects of our religion, one of the questions was, you know, the, the third aspect, which is Ihsan. You know, what's Ihsan? And the Prophet said, Allah hmm. That it's that you, you are obedient and in worship to Allah as if you see him, as if you're seeing him. In other words, the exertion that you do is as if you're doing it directly for God to God. In other words, it's like it's difference between like sending a letter and speaking to somebody. Mm-hmm. So you're different. If you if you want to say something to somebody, you can usually do it indirectly, easily. Like if you want to address somebody with a harsh letter, for example, uh, you, you, it's much easier to do it for most people if they write it. Than if the person comes to him and says, "Okay, what do you have to say?" Yeah, yeah, because it's that proximity, and so because we are worshiping Allah, who who has all these blessings placed in our laps, and is the the source of unending pleasure and 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 grace for us, to worship Allah as if you see Him, meaning in the presence of God, has to be a different level of worship. Hmm. And and one one of the mercies of Allah is that He doesn't allow us to. Be in that state because 
we would malfunction as human social beings. You know, imagine, imagine having to get through life with everybody in a state where they have just worshipped God as if they saw him. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you would have no civilization. You would have no sense of building, you know, in, for, the, for the future in some ways that will go beyond your own life. You'd be so enthralled in just worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like the angels. So the, the Prophet said that it's to worship Allah as if you see him. And because you cannot see him, and some people would say, and if you cannot, you know, because literally it means if you cannot, meaning you should, but you can't. Allah the Quran says that sight does not behold him, but he withholds or beholds sight. Anyways, it's beyond our capacity to say that. So, and because you cannot see him, then know that he sees you. That's muraqaba. So this is this is the sense that I was talking about the muraqaba issue, which is to to worship as if God is seeing you. That's again the same thing because that's the sense of um, debt that we have on our shoulders towards Allah, that He's our Creator, Sustainer, and the one worthy of worship. So when we worship, we try and worship, knowing that at least He's observing us. And so that is in fact there are narrations that say and ta'mal. You know, and to act in a way that, in the sense that God sees you. But it's the more famous one is in, to, that you worship. So this, I mean, it just brings a deeper level the the, the this whole all encompassing nature of Islamic faith that oh, it's yeah. about actions, charity, prayers, Hajj, fasting, and then it's about faith that we have in the unseen as well. And then the other thing is how do we live that? The live we live that through the third dimension, which is. The, the, the kind of depth of spirituality and so the whole idea is that if you have a society imbued with that you know if you know that you're worshiping god and he sees you and if he sees you in worship he sees you outside worship and he, yeah. he sees you outside worship he sees what you do it <laughs> you know even when you attempt to swindle other people allah still sees you yeah. and that's what's fascinating that you cannot hide from god your intentions and your intent yeah. and i think if you think about it people that i know that live on that basis, are very, very open. They're like an open book. Like the Prophet was a very open book. If he if he was happy, you would know he's happy. If he was angry, you would know he was angry. And that's a sadaqa to the to the community, the, to the ummah, because he was the Prophet. That he had to convey what his even his psychological, physiological nature was showing. He had to manifest it to tell us what. Like a thermometer, you know, you have thermometers. No, be, be, being transparent is is uh, the Nabawi way. It's, it's a way of the Prophet ﷺ. Being transparent even with your feelings and, and your facial expressions. So the poker face is not something to, to have. Well, I mean, there's, you know, Al-Hardu Khid'ah. The Prophet has said that, you know, war is deception. So there's certain oh. situations where there's a there's a long term benefit and there's a overriding benefit, you know. So you can imagine, you know, if you're Sultan Abdul Hamid or so, you know, when everybody's got a dagger against you, you know, then you have to think of the, the benefit to you and the community and wider society for being poker face, for example. Yeah. But in the context, this is important actually, because in the context of the Prophet being a prophet, he wouldn't. But in the in the that's actually a fascinating thing because 
Imam Shatabi talks about the fact that the Prophet dealt with, you know, when he spoke and acted, he, he acted in different um, capacities. And depending on the capacity, he, you have to understand what he is saying is different. So if he acted as a leader, as a military leader or, or a leader of, of a community, as a, as a kind of representative, like a political you know, power representative, you could say that he would have a, a demeanor which would not give away what he wanted to do. Because that's in the public good. But as a prophet, meaning having to convey what God wants you to know, he had to be completely transparent in his behavior. Mm-hmm. And so this is the thing that most people don't understand about the Prophet. And most people don't understand about people either. That you cannot deal with people or judge people based upon your understanding that they should be dealing, they should be they should be acting in the same way everybody acts. Like a leader, like I mean, I'm in Turkey. Erdogan, the way that Erdogan walks about seems to be extremely arrogant. Mm-hmm. You know this. Like yeah. he's like a what we call in Glasgow, a don. He's walking yeah. about, just ordering people. The reality is he was put in prison for you know, I've, I've watched this. I was here in, in, in 1995 all the way to 1994, I've seen the way he was imprisoned. He was barred. He was exiled. He was done. All, all these things happened to him, gone through court cases. And, you know, he, there's just jackals everywhere around him. And the only way he can deal with that is to be this, um, you know, to carry yourself oh. in the way he carries himself. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Otherwise... For the benefit of your of your of your of your nation, nothing happens. Nothing will happen. The thing that you cannot do is be this pious, tasbih bearing hermit who just you know has you know as they say in Arabic, you know just allow your heart, head to go lower and lower in humility, even it's as very, your enemies. Very dangerous. You know, very dangerous. Very dangerous. Very fine line between knowing what you're doing and doing what is overtly arrogant and still have the humility and still have the humility. I mean, that that's like a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah, so what I'm saying, the reason I'm saying this is because the Prophet was like that. The Prophet spoke sometimes as a Qadi, for example. And even the course, I talk about this right at the beginning, the diploma course, because it's so important. Like sometimes the Prophet talked as a Qadi and he had to behave in a certain way. And when he said something, we cannot take it off the shelf and apply it because he was acting as a Qadi. Mm, judge, okay. judge. Meaning, judges have rules in terms of the way that they judge in a case. You have to use the same rules that judges use. And just because it was a prophet, does not mean you can just take it and run with it, according to the Malikid and Shafi school specifically. And so, this is the same. Why we talk about this actually? Um, you remind me why you took me on to this <laughs> this stuff. <laughs> let's let's get back to this third dimension. I mean, my, my next. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, so, no, no, no. It's Ihsan. Is to yes, worship sir. God as you see. Yeah, so it's like this idea of obedience, but the ihsan manifests itself in different ways depending on your capacity and your your mm. your responsibility. Mm. And, and and does this hadith and this ayah that we have uh, discussed in the surah goes beyond just the worship, just the um, the ritualistic worship? No, is that not the whole point? That was the whole point I was making. Because okay. if I talked about Abu Jahl, because the whole point, this context is about Abu Jahl. You know, mm. he he said he's going to forbid the forbid the forbid the Prophet from prostrating and stomping his head, neck, mm. And you know, so Allah says, does he not you know, doing all this oppressive action of you know basically insisting on his way and not allowing a person just to worship? 
what he's doing is an, a political act, an aggressive act, a criminal act. And Allah is saying to him, do you not see, does he not see Abu Jahl or anybody in that situation that God is, God is, God is watching them? And that means that anything that you do, if you're doing something that is not acceptable morally, ethically, legally, in any of this context, do you not see that God is going to call you to task for that? Like God, you don't know that God's going to see, God sees you. And so you don't need a police force in certain ways. Like in Muslim countries, you see this. When I was traveling around the Muslim world in, in, the, in the late 90s, mid, you know, the early, mid, late 90s, going from one country to another, passing border after border, going into cities, countries, and being able to sleep anywhere you wanted. You know, I remember sleeping in, in, the, in the door of the mosque in Ta'iz, the main mosque. Um, not not even fearing anything Like I didn't have any care at all mm. And that was across the Muslim world Before you know The the, the kind of the, the Iraq war And the kind of western intervention there Generally It was almost a rule that people were safe In Muslim countries Because mm. the underlying thing was the, the, it, That trickled down To everybody in the, in the, in, in the society That God is watching them you understand because that safety, security, that sense of well-being, community well-being, is extremely important, and that's what Islam has. Is idea of ihsan, and the thing actually, you know, because it's missing in the West, you know, the sense of spiritual enlightenment or spiritual sense of well-being. They've got this thing. I don't. You, you know, you definitely do know about it. Mind, mindfulness. Yes, mindfulness. So they, they, te- they teach it all the way to the point they teach to children in nurseries. Mm-hmm. I remember when my son was I think, three and a half. I'm, I'm sure he said we had to sit, cross our legs, and close our eyes, and it was so mm-hmm. boring. That was mindfulness training. Yeah, and you know, you know what it is like. The more the West tries to copy something, the more it actually unravels. Because in terms of mindfulness, there's lots of research done. There was research done, I think, in New York State University, and just before was it just during COVID? I think it was it came out the research 2021 or something 2021. Um, showing the research on mindfulness and its effect on arrogance and a sense of entitlement and self-centeredness. So basically what happened is they did research and they looked at two groups of people. One group of people were mostly from, you know, more communal, um, you know, you know, kind of society-centered cultures like the East. Mm. You know, they're the most based upon communal welfare and helping other people and so on and so forth and after mindfulness the the people that did the kind of man, mindfulness training ended up just being um you know underlined and emphasizing their 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 sense of helping other people you know in other words, being altruistic so easterners essentially became much more altruistic and helpful after that but people with a Western mindset, an individualistic mindset, which is the West. Yeah. The West I is based, mean. I mean, it's not, it's I, me, it's I feel that I'm this and, you know, mm-hmm. the age of feeling and I want to be this now, I want to be that now. Do you understand? Yeah. And what happened there is they just became much more independent minded, decreased in their sense of help for other people, altruism. Because they had a test. I think it was something like after this mindfulness, they were asked, you know, when they were leaving, just as something separate from the test, they didn't know it was part of the test. Or oh, do you want to help, you know, you know, send some letters out for a charity or something? Or do you want to help pack some boxes for a food bank or something? Do you understand? And, and the people who were from a kind of Eastern background ended up 
actually wanting to do that much, much more. And then the people that are more individualistic and, and Western mindset, going out the mindfulness training and thinking they're really spiritual, it was much more me, me, me. And so the mindfulness, all it did was reinforce the sense of me, me, me. Yeah. And and look at that. That's that's the thing that they place to help them solve their spiritual, you know, well-being crisis is actually toxic. Yeah. Whereas the thing that we have, which is ihsan, because, because my, really mindfulness yeah. enhances mindfulness enhances whatever is within you uh, so far. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So is is muraqaba a faithful translation of mindfulness? Muraqaba is um, interesting. Yeah, it's very close. It's very yeah, good. Yeah, mindful. No, no, Muraqaba is different is because Muraqaba is you're watching something. Mindfulness is is thinking about what's in your mind. It's it's much more self centered. The word itself, mindfulness, to be in your but, own mind. Muraqaba is, is to watch some watch your relationship with Allah or something else. Like you're you're yeah. like Raqib. You said Raqib, didn't you? Raqib was the person that's you know observing to two people that are besought in love and yeah. trying to get in between them. So looking for any opportunity to just jump in and just cut them off from their love. So there's obviously a, a purpose to that. Muraqaba is always about a second thing that you're doing. You're realigning yourself with at all times. Mindfulness is just centered on you as a, a person. And so Ihsan is that it's not that you, you are content with your life and happy. Ihsan is that you worship and adore God as if you see him. If you can't see him, then he sees you. Muraqaba requires you to submit authority to something else. Whereas mindfulness, what it does, it essentially just fills you up with whatever you're full of already. As you said, it just reinforces the, the worldview that you have, the spiritual sense that you have. And this is why, um, you know, when you look at the, the chapter itself, when you look at Abu Jahl, um, there's a difference between the Prophet and Abu Jahl being struck here because Abu Jahl is just reinforcing what he wants, which is his quest for power. Like anything he does is simply just a sense of mindfulness. But anything he's seeing is just a sense of reinforce. He wants what he wants. And if that means to be unjust to somebody, you know, to to rob and to pillage and to hit and attack, then that's exactly what's going to happen because he doesn't have this sense of a source that he compares it to. Whereas the Prophet ﷺ, his actions, even in response to Abu Jahl, is that he's also always connecting it back to Allah. What's Allah going to say about how I react to Abu Jahl? Whereas the Prophet could have attacked him as well. So why are you doing, yeah. you know, so the response would be like it. So there is a process of muraqaba, there are tools for muraqaba, and then there is an end result of muraqaba. Hmm. Yeah. So the, you use the tools hmm. and you follow the process. Mm. to seek something through muraqaba mm. in Islamic science, right? Mm. Yes. And what I'm thinking, if mindfulness with the right context equates to same, mm -hmm. if the context is right, it's the same technique in a way. So end result of muraqaba is deep focus. Mm-hmm. And end, it's, end, it's, end result um, of mindfulness is also deep focus. But focus with, with, with the right object. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Object. I was going to say that to object. I was going to say subject, object. Because subject's you, 
mindfulness is all about the subject, you. Subject is There's, me. There has to be an object. There has to be some a goal in in, in essence, yeah. other than yes. yourself. Yeah. But the thing is, the beautiful thing about Islam is the goal that's not you will end up. If you focus on the goal, it will end up pleasuring you. That's why I said I in the Taymiyyah, when he said that if you do not feel the joy and sweetness of good of actions, you know, and good actions and good 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 faith, then you should you should um, question your sincerity because Allah is a shakur. Like he is going to show that he is thankful to you by putting pleasure in your heart. So yep. if you worship Allah with sincerity, what you'll get back is pleasure because God promised, because he's shakur, he will give you that. If you don't get the pleasure, it means since something is missing, Allah is still shakur, but you're not sincere. Subhanallah. And you understand? So the, the whole thing here is like, we always think that we do a good action we, and the, the most spiritual thing is to forget it. Which is true. ترجمہ اطمینان قلب نصیب نہیں ہو رہا تو آپ کچھ غلط کر رہے ہیں میں کچھ غلط کر رہا ہوں اس کا مطلب کہ اخلاص کی کمی ہے اخلاص کی کمی یعنی سب کچھ ہو رہا ہے مسلح پہ بیٹھ رہے ہیں اور آنکھیں بند ہو رہی ہیں اذکار ہو رہے ہیں اوراد ہو رہے ہیں اور بظاہر ہم اللہ کے ساتھ کنیکشن کو جوڑنے کی کوشش کر رہے ہیں لیکن اگر دل میں سکون اور سکینت نہیں مل رہی زندگی میں اطمینان نصیب نہیں ہو رہا تو پھر کہیں پہ کچھ رولا ہے رولا اور جو رولا ہے نا وہ یہ کہ اخلاص کی کمی اللہ اکبر اس کی ٹرانسلیشن انگلش میں مجھے نہیں آتی شیخ سبحان اللہ سو مراقبہ از It is an important thing from this surah mm. as well. It's important because it'll, it'll reach a climax at the end. So, mm. you know, this idea of, of knowing and acting because, acting because Allah sees you will have an end result. And um, it's like the more you, you in, invest in this of reflecting upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His power, His glory, and then His deserving of being worshipped, the more that you're pulled into... his reward as well. This Ibn Taymiyyah is essentially saying that you will get the joy, you'll get the pleasure, you'll get the, you know, the Prophet said there's three things that, you know, whoever does not have them does not taste the sweetness of faith. In other words, the point being that there's certain things that would lead you to tasting, experiencing joy. So Islam is there to give you, in a sense, joy. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to say it, but a lot yeah. of Muslims don't like this idea that, that Islam should give you joy, extreme joy, elation and And uh, addiction, <laughs> you know, because the, why do you think, why do you think, um, you know, it was 120,000 companions at the end of the Prophet's life, if they weren't as a, a contagion, you know, they, they talk about social contagion where people catch things from other people. If they didn't see other people being so intoxicated with the love of the Prophet and Allah and the benefit that they brought their societies, their families, and they just ended up becoming Muslim, you know, jumping over themselves. 
يو يدخل في اسلام في في دين الله فواج از القران سيز يو نو انترينج تو اسلام ان دروفز دو نوت ثينك ذات ذي ور افتر سمثينغ لايك يو نو ذا كريسماس سيلز اور ذيرز ا فلاش سيل اور سمثينغ بيبل جامبينغ يو نو ان امريكا يو سي بيبل بلاك فرايدي ذي جامب دو ثينك يو كان سي بلاك فرايدي اني مور بات اني واي ذات يو نو ذا بيج سيل جامبينغ اند فايتينغ فور يو نو ا تيليفيجن اند ذن اتاكينغ ايتش اذر because they they want something they can get that they need and so people became into islam because at a certain point critically a critical mass of people caught this thing that made them so fulfilled as human beings that they started to push everyone else away to get that thing of sight of the prophet islam just to see him you know it got to the point 120000 coming to see it didn't happen in arabia it's unheard of And so where does that come from it comes from the fact that Islam brought something that nourished people. You know and that's what we miss I think what people miss is and this why well that's this is what will stop Islam spreading. <coughs> if if we view our religion as being dour and sour and something that is you know you always I mean I I I don't like to say it, but you know in Muslims there's no sense of happiness and you know joy and something there's no joy in life generally where's the opposite it should be the most joyous of households the most joyous of families the most joyous of individuals when people see it you know imagine going to london you know one out of 10 people in london are muslim islam mm-hmm. is spreading in london very fast because i'm when people live near muslims like in um east london for example or you know in walthamstow they do see that there's some kind of co- communal you know happiness there that mm. intrigues people that how can a community just be so as a community just be so happy if it, if it goes well if the, if the community is living well in together and they're you know you know ex- expressing islam the right way that is the case it en- enriches and nourishes and that's in mm. fa- and, and unfortunately the thing that we miss that you know instead of looking at negatives we look at the positives the positives are very very important and that is mm. the 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 demeanor of the prophet and who worshiped god as if he saw him and he mm. saw him and he knew that god saw him and then that meant that the prophet and was when he saw people he was the most loving of people the most kind of people the most um <sighs> endearing of people in his conduct smiling you know mm. easy going sallam because he so, wanted to give something he wanted to give people that met him oh i want to be like him mm, what's he mm. got what's he happy about <laughs> you know people always say that what oh, you happy about yeah alhamdulillah shukr husn husn kamil hai tera ishq kamil hai mera new you were going to come up with something husn kamil hai tera ishq kamil hai mera because because yeah because your your beauty is perfect my love for you is perfect subhanallah husn kamil hai tera ishq kamil hai mera so that's iqbal मेरे दिल में तेरी जुल्फों की परेशानी है तेरी तस्वीर से पैदा मेरी हैरानी है सो इट इज इट्स अ कनेक्शन बिटवीन नो वन मेड अ सॉन्ग दिस दिस आई मीन क्वाइट इकबाल इकबाल I knew he's going to say that. I knew he's going to say Subhanallah, that. Subhanallah, 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 Subhanallah. Yeah. So, Sheikh, uh, ending this uh, episode with this contrast between ayah number sixteen and seventeen, where Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala 
maybe you can leave it for a full episode next time where Allah is inviting as he subhanahu wa ta'ala invites you can't do you, you can't even bring one verse like this but in this as well in 16 and 17 there's a contrast you, you bring whoever you want to bring but you can't do what I can in, in a way it's a challenge okay. right okay yes because that's a conclusion I mean that's like oof I think we we leave it at that, inshallah, until tomorrow, and we'll start with this uft uft tomorrow. <laughs> reflections, reflections with Sheikh Razan Muhammad. Subhanallah, I thoroughly enjoyed it today because it's totally unscripted. And so it was unscripted. To, since, give yeah, me an episode we've done that scripted. <laughs> it went to places where really has brought so much joy to so many hearts. Uh, we seek your du'as uh, remember us in your du'as and uh, inshallah you will be in ours uh, until tomorrow assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh bismillahirrahmanirrahim in the name of Allah the entirely merciful the especially merciful اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق Recite in the name of your Lord who created خلق الإنسان من علق Created man from a clinging substance اقرأ وربك الأكرم Recite and your Lord is the most generous الذي علم بالقلم Who taught by the pen Taught man that which he knew not. No, but indeed man transgresses. Because he sees himself self-sufficient. Indeed, to your Lord is the return. Have you seen the one who forbids? A servant when he prays. Have you seen if he is upon guidance? or enjoins righteousness have you seen if he denies and turns away does he not know that Allah sees No, if he does not desist, we will surely drag him by the forelock. A lying, sinning forelock. Then let him call his associates. We will call the angels of hell. No, do not obey him, but prostrate and draw near to Allah.